What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Horror You Know podcast. This is Trent. I'm Darren. I'm Ian. I'm Ian. And this is part two of our Scream discussion. So we're just going to pick up where we left off last week talking about the Gainesville Ripper. Let it rip. <laughs> Let's rip it up. So. so Gainesville, I'm sure you guys are familiar with Gainesville. It is the home of the University of Florida, mm. one of the largest schools in the country. The Gators. The Gators, yep. <laughs> Home of oh, Tom God. Petty, my Alligator, boy. Alligator, Tom Petty. Evil, yeah. evil. Uh, so in August of 1990, this is where Danny winds up. And it's August. It's right around the time when school's starting, fall classes are beginning. So there's tons of students pouring into campus around this time. Very busy time around the campus. Unfortunately, for five of these students, and I'm going to read their names out of respect, Sonia Larson, Christina Powell, Krista Hoyt, Tracy Paulez, and Manuel Taboda. I hope that's right. <laughs> for these, uh, for these five students, this is when Danny's killing spree begins. So, at a disrespect. After the whole rolling situation, I'm not sure if we can trust you. I know. Anyone who listens to this podcast or the Paperweight podcast <laughs> knows I suck with names and I butcher them constantly. So it's just part of it. It's a Hispanic name, I you, think. Manuel uh, Taboda. You sorry. just, you just disrespected Manuel. Way more than I could. Way, way more than you butchering his name. <laughs> Let's not use the word butcher. I'm so, so, so sorry. I'm so, so here's a little teacher tip. <coughs> just you the say tip. the word with, yeah, just the tip. Just the teacher tip. You you say the word without any hesitation and don't go backtrack on it. And then if don't somebody draw calls you out. To it. Exactly. Yeah. If somebody calls you out, then fuck it. So yeah. the, uh, a fact, stone cold fact, is if you say something what? with confidence... <laughs> Fuck you. What? I know what you're doing. <laughs> I said, don't. Okay. So what? If, you, if you say something with enough confidence, somebody will believe it. Yeah. It's true. Like, people make it, questions. I did it all the time. This you whole, guys didn't know when I was teaching this whole for story years. Is, yeah. This whole story is made up. Yeah. BS. That, that you was guys just believe me. That advice there was pretty much it's not a lie if you believe it's true. Is that a sign? Yeah. So, so it's it kind of, <laughs> Yeah. So it's, it's it not a lie if you believe it. Damn right. <laughs> Yeah, not, George not, not, everybody will, not everybody will believe it. All right, so here we go. This is where it gets. This is where it gets bad. Early nineties, nineteen ninety. We're on August of August twenty fourth. This Shreveport? is the first. I was a junior in high we're school in at the Gainesville, time. Florida. Oh, yeah. The right. Gainesville what Ripper, nineteen ninety. Right. So you probably gators. you probably remember a lot of this. No, national. I don't remember any of this story. Well, it apparently See, got a lot the, of national coverage. That's the problem, though. They say that, but it's like. Unless the serial killer is in your region, you don't really hear much about it unless you watch the nightly news, which I was fucking 17. I'm not watching the nightly but news. But at the yeah. same time, if it was somebody like well-known, like your like Ted Bundy's and stuff like that, like that I was national news. Right? But I didn't even hear about Ted Bundy until they were about to kill him. Oh, no you shit. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was there, but you got to remember at the time, I was a teenager. Teenagers don't pay attention to that shit for the most part. If I was an adult, I would. Why are you looking out the window behind me? Plus, I was there. I imagine that back then, probably, like, you most murders were, well, like, national news one. because there wasn't yeah. social media and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, I mean, then. it was probably regional news and then it hit national newspapers, but yeah. I'm not going to be reading it 
every night. Like, I don't know. I mean, I was 17, so go ahead. Okay. <laughs> go, 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 go. So, August 24th, 1990, this is the first killing. Wait. <laughs> that was a lot longer than I thought it was going to be for some reason. That sounded like the soundtrack to my life. Well. Sex life? or my, Just my life in general. That's weird. Every time I walk into my bedroom, I hear that noise. <laughs> so, so tasteful. So tasteful. I was born to that You know music. what it reminds me of? Wait, you were born where? I was born to that music. I thought you said in your bedroom. I was like, um, maybe I was. You don't know me. That's uh, <laughs> what's what's that what's that bit? The Debbie Downer bit from this? That's, ex- <laughs> that's exactly what that. Well, it is kind of a downer, so you know, I guess <laughs> good segue after all. August twenty fourth, Danny breaks into the apartment of Sonia Larson and Christina Powell, two incoming freshmen. So they're probably they're I think they're both seventeen at this point, maybe eighteen. Two incoming freshmen. He had stalked them early that day, follows them home, and then that night or early morning, he breaks into their uh, apartment while they're sleeping using a screwdriver. So he finds Sonia first, tapes her mouth shut, so you can't hear her screams, of course, uh, tapes it with duct tape, stabs her to death. He then goes downstairs to find Powell, who's also asleep, tapes her mouth shut, tapes her hands together uh, behind her back before cutting off her clothes and raping her. He then forces her face down onto the floor before stabbing her in the back five times. And then he even went back to Sonia's room and raped her dead body. Damn. That escalated quickly. Yeah, dark turn. Dark turn. Going along with what you're saying, before we go any further, Danny Rowling has escalated very quickly, but it was over years that he was ramping up to the escalation. This was not just a... So, everything you've said... Yeah, I get what you're saying. We are amping up to this, but I feel like I feel like we went from zero to a hundred fast. Well, I, I mean, it was I years glossed, though. He he glossed over a lot of peeping Tom stuff, you know, like going out and, and yeah, but peeping peeping Tom aggravated stuff is assault, like, okay, aggravated now, you, now you're getting robbery, like to he me, guns, you know. Okay, gotcha. Well, there's, to me, pe- peeping Tom is like down here because you guys are. Look me in the soul. I mean, he's right already now raped a couple people at this point. Oh, he'd he already previously he done raped this? a woman after his l- wife left him. Yeah, out of frustration, well, anger, everything. I was gonna say like you guys are gonna sit here and tell me that you've never peeped into somebody's window when they were changing. Come on, I know you have trend. I've seen you outside of my window several times. <laughs> I was gonna say only yours. I mean, that's, yeah, I mean that's my fault. We wanted to see if the, the beard matched back. the drapes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's awful well, steamy in that bath. <laughs> well, to be honest, though, like he at this point, he was full on crazy because he even though he was planning it, which, you know, well, there's a isn't bit- psychotic, I guess, because he's planning it. But he went out and bought gloves. He bought zip ties. He bought the hamburger helper. Glove. He had the gun. He had the you know, he went out and bought a tent because he was and you well, didn't mention this. He was living in the woods outside of means, University of means, Florida. Yeah, means, that's watching important. them on a daily basis. You're burying the leads here. So means. he was watching them. So he <laughs> I was thought watching you were going to say that before he well, goes in. No, I'm listen. sorry. I'm sorry. No, he was camping out beforehand, watching these he, two people. He, yeah, I get to that. He he did have like a campsite on the edge of. So the Ladies apartments he ends up targeting are like all along like a wooded area, so they're easy to like <laughs> access area. and get in and out, and like not you know what I mean. So he kind of 
hits the apartment, drifts back into the woods, and yeah, so he was camping out in the woods uh, near campus. Jesus, this time, man, that, which we do bring up again I, later. To but, me, that's the most terrifying part of the story. Well, no, I mean gets, everything is horrendous, but it like, gets worse. Jesus. Worse than camping outside. Well, I haven't even finished killing girls and having sex with everybody. It gets worse. I haven't even finished with Sonia and um, Christina yet because um, as if stalking them, sneaking into their house at night and killing them and raping them isn't bad enough, he actually takes their bodies and he poses them when he's done with them in like sexually provocative positions. What? To have like extra shock value for whoever like, ends up finding them. There's very few in history serial killers that actually do this. This is what blew my mind. And very few actually do that kind of dramatic posing of the bodies and like. Well, he mutilates them too because, again, this is based on research. I don't know if it's a hundred percent true. Supposedly, he like cut off their nipples. To mm-hmm. keep his like trophies, oh, nipple belt. I know Damn you man. guys talk about a nipple oh, belt on a future yeah. episode. I thought it was a necklace. A nipple, a nipple necklace. Nipple necklace. Nipple necklace. Rolls off the tongue. Stay tuned for that episode involving the nipple <laughs> necklace Easter egg. I want to know how they clasp. The, the, nipple. the nipple folds into the other nipple. Oh. Clamps. So he would, yeah he would <laughs> he would mutilate these bodies and and pose them when he was done with them and he was also. Trinity, mind, we're talking about nipple belt. Please. <laughs> I'm sorry. Take a moment. Okay. I think I'm good. <laughs> but he also, and I get, I get into this a little bit later too, but he also was very good at like cleaning the bodies and like disposing of his evidence kind of because he would like take the tape off and you throw it away. Cleaning, I thought you he would like clean them with them like vinegar and stuff. They couldn't, that's the thing. They couldn't find anything on him, but. And we get into that. It blows my mind that he's so meticulous about the murders and the rapes and trying to get away with it. But he was and I don't know if it's because every other part of his life, like robbing and stealing well, stuff. I, I saw a theory. Getting a job. I, I, and, I hate to say this, but at the same time, like everybody has that, like a lot of things that they're not good at, but there's always like one thing that everybody has good at. And sadly, it seems like that's the one thing. I was going to well, say that same thing. Yeah. Everybody has their purpose. Has, has their niche. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That, I wouldn't have worded it like that. Well, theory, I know what I'm here for. I mean, you think <laughs> I know about what I was put on this earth. <laughs> You think about it, one one theory I kind of read was suggested the fact that, like, you know, his dad was a cop. He could have learned about how oh, to... That's well, a good point, too. It does, it does talk about, like, he learned some of that military tactic stuff in the military. Well, the, the military and the cop background, was, both. Yeah, He was a, a military police for a while, while he was in the Air Force. Oh, I didn't know that. So, he definitely had knowledge of what he was doing, for sure, with this yeah. stuff. Um, so, that was the first two murders. A day later, August 25th, he breaks into another apartment. This time, 18-year-old Krista Hoyt. She actually was not home when he broke in. I think this was early in the day when he broke in. She wasn't home, so he hid and waited for her to return. If that's not fucking freaky. She finally did return later, and Danny surprised her uh, by grabbing her from behind, putting her in a chokehold, and basically subduing her. He then, similar to the first two girls, he taped her mouth shut, taped her wrists together behind her back, and uh, took her into the bedroom, cut her clothes off, raped her. If you've if you've said this already, I apologize. How big is this man? He was about six two, I think. Yeah, he, he was, was a he was, he was a decent sized guy, but he was, guy. He he overpowered Not people. Not huge, but big. I was going to say, are we talking about like well, in his six feet, two? 
three hundred pounds. No, I don't know the weight. He no. wasn't that heavy, but he was he overpowering. Was and and obviously his victims so far have been female, young college girls, like teenagers. Plus two, he caught them off guard. Caught them off guard. Right. I'm just had like a knife the, what, or a weapon. Well, well the first the way, two were asleep, and then this one he. The way you said he came up behind her and put her in the old stranglehold, I uh, I didn't know if like he was a large man. Or... I would say decent. Just like size. a rear, rear naked choke. But here here's mm-hmm. the thing: the victims at first were small. And also in those first two victims, I think he sat there and watched the first one. He stopped before him. he went upstairs. No, watched her. Oh sleep. yeah, 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 yeah. He did see. He did find I mean, her first. I didn't mention that, but he went in because she. I think it was like maybe a upstairs downstairs yeah, situation. Yeah. She was it's downstairs, creepy. saw her creepy. first, but went upstairs to the other girl and actually killed her first Jesus. before coming back. And so. was just watching them for like twenty minutes before he did anything. Like, just in the quiet, watching He just him. sat there and watched. So it's yeah. not bad enough he's sitting outside, probably watching him through the window. Yeah. He comes inside and just sits there and watches. Jesus. Yeah. So, Chris, uh, Crystal Hoy, so he, I said he taped her mouth shut, taped her arms together, uh, raped her, stabs her to death in the back, just like the other girls. This poor girl, though, not only did he pose her in provocative ways, just like he did the other two, he apparently cut off this girl's head and put it on a bookshelf, setting it upright like on a bookshelf, please, just please to add to the horror. Please don't do that. Please don't show me an example. Well, like I'm. Just, she was like a straight A student. I heard too, like head of the class. My God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that is terrible. We're getting too far ahead of ourselves. Get out of here. I'm Get sorry. out. Oh, good wow. Good thing oh this God. is 30 years ago. The wounds have healed maybe a little bit, but oh probably not. God. All right, so heading off this story. And I don't know if this is true. We know this is a comedy podcast. Right? Had a after that. <laughs> That's true. Hey, don't we get we got the rim shot, don't we? Oh, rim shot. Not rim job, me. Rim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A <laughs> little, 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 little late, but that's all right. Better late than I'll never. edit the dead space out. That's what he looked like. We're showing a picture. We'll put it on our website or He's Facebook. Ian, he looks a lot like you. Yeah, I don't know if he's, he's not huge, but he's tall. Yeah. And he's weighty. I mean, he would overpower a lot of women. He's gangly. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this Wait, part is true about sure this killing, but apparently I also read that with uh, Krista Hoyt. Yeah, I saw that picture. I also read that actually he he killed her and then left, but then he thought he forgot, like he he, for, he couldn't find his wallet or something. Oh, my God. And he thought he left it to the crime scene, so he went back to the house a little bit later. And that's when he cut her head off yeah, and did it. That's true. I, that is that true. That is true. I read that and I was like, I don't know if that's true or not, like, but that's it was back true. Here. I might as well just because it was in the trial. So later on, because he admitted to it. Yeah, he, he forgot his wallet. He thought so it freaked him out. He didn't so want to get caught. He goes back. That and freaked then, him out. And I then he was he, like, I think he had well, sex with wallet. her again. Oh yeah, you're right. I think he did sex with her again and then cut her head off and put on the bookshelf. Wow. Danny so rolling. So this is so by now we're there's already widespread attention to all these murders. Classes were being canceled. Daily routines were were changed. What are you What are you He's going rolling on about? in the head, baby? <laughs> oh my god! I can't. Oh my rolling god. in yeah. the deep. <laughs> Jesus. No one would go out alone. Day or night, students would like triple lock their doors. They slept in groups. 
also in shifts so that some people, somebody was like always awake. I would just fucking go home. Well, no. Just go home. Yeah, many people did because, like I said, it's at the beginning of the school year. So a lot of people actually withdrew their enrollment. Around 700 left campus and never came back around this time. That's it's a like, smart idea. Get the hell right? out of here. Um, and they're alive. So They are alive. But Danny would strike one more time after this. Scary enough. Um, because a couple days later, August 27th now, Danny breaks into another apartment. This time uh, belonging to 23-year-old roommates, Tracy Paulez and Manny Taboda. They were both asleep. He found Manny first. So his first male victim, by the way, out of all this, he finds Manny first, and then uh, I guess he wakes up because there's a brief struggle, apparently, but he does ultimately kill Manny. But during the struggle, Tracy hears the commotion, and she comes down the hall and sees Danny. So she like immediately runs back to her room and tries to barricade herself uh, back into her bedroom. But Danny is still able to break through the door, and just like with the other uh, three women, uh, he tapes her mouth shut with duct tape, Tapes her hands, cuts off her clothes, and rapes her before flipping her over face down and, and stabbing her in the back several times. So now, there's got to be something to that, though. Something to that pattern? The stabbing flipping her over and stabbing her in the back because. Well, I don't know if he knows where the. It's like the organs are easier to rupture from the back because. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I would he, think that it just doesn't front like is easier because it's, it's more fleshy. But. It's to me. It's like he rapes them, and then he feels guilty a little bit, flips them over, so he doesn't have to see their face. Yeah. Could be. Well, that I was thinking the fact that like the lungs and everything were easily accessible from the back. Like that's what I. Well, I think I, it I was this you. girl, and it could have been all of them really. But I know on one of them I read he does rupture her heart by stabbing her in the back. So it might have been this girl. I but I mean, you could go through knife. a chest plate. You could like. I mean, you could have cut their throat. He obviously had no problem cutting their heads off. Well, it seems to me like it's something psychological. He flips them over so they don't see him, maybe. I was going to say maybe if they're on their back, they don't bleed as much. Or there's not as much blood, maybe. But I That's not true at all. I don't know. Okay, nobody is curious. Are you listening to him? <laughs> He's like, we ignore no, the easiest way here. to do it. No, that's not happening. Maybe maybe we're in the presence of... If there was a murderer in this room, it would be Ian Wells. He watches enough... and regret it later. Oh, my God. He watches enough ID... Hey, he knows what he's doing. Nobody brought up the fact that he has sex with the corpse afterwards, right? So maybe he was doing a well, reverse it, donkey punch. Oh my but God. with a knife. He would do it before maybe. and after though. You know, I wouldn't put anything <laughs> past this guy at this point. <laughs> he sounds like a regular old swamp donkey. Oh my god. <laughs> Bringing it back around. Oh. We're getting so bad on this episode. Wow. Okay, sorry. So these bodies, I guess, were not mutilated. Uh, like the other ones were, but I guess he did still pose Tracy's body before leaving. So obviously there's a connection there with the women. He didn't pose Manny's body, but he posed Tracy's body. So um, those were the five Gainesville murders, all on campus, all happening within two miles of each other. We already alluded to this earlier, um, that he lived in like a wooded area, because these apartment complexes that he broke into were all like right on the edge of like a wooded area, and so he did kind of like have a camp site that he lived at or whatever and it was easy for him to kind of go up to each apartment and basically disappear into the woods right after now, the irony of it though before that murder i think people had already seen him come out of the woods on campus i well, think I'm he sure was, he, he was reported in. to the police and security and they never found him well i was 
That's a great segue, Memes, because literally my notes say, I lost my place again. The twisty thing about it all, he was never caught for these murders. Never? No. But, there is a but. Because. There always is. That's right. Well, I, I, I said earlier how he, he cleaned the bodies, so there was never any real evidence cleaned at the like scene. A cat. <laughs> With his tongue. There was no, like, there was not enough evidence to implicate him. He always would, like, remove the duct tape and throw it away, and he would clean the bodies with, like, vinegar and stuff when he was done. But apparently there was, like, enough DNA to where they could determine his blood type. What about semen? Because you said that he... That he cleaned it all away, I guess. Wait. Did he not... He pulled out and then cleaned? Means is the details guy. You well, might ask him. Even, right, even back then, like... If they did have semen, like DNA wasn't the same back then. So unless he'd well, been yeah, told before even they in the were 90s, had it. it was, wasn't it? All I know. Yeah, but you got to remember no. in the nineties no. they didn't keep DNA for prisoners. They kept fingerprints. Yeah. So he he definitely they cleaned the fingerprints. They might have kept off. blood type, but they wouldn't have kept DNA yet. The Next only thing they the only thing they determined was he had a type B blood type. Okay, remember this. It was important. Type B. I'm not sure how. I'm not sure where that DNA came from necessarily. If he cleaned the bodies, but they were they were able to determine that the killer had a type B blood blood type. So B for blood. So national media at this point has basically flooded the campus. Uh, you know, the the search for the Gainesville Ripper is on. Investigators have flown in. Um, some connections were starting to be made between the killings. Um, one similarity. I already mentioned this. I'm repeating myself. One similarity was that every uh, house and apartment was target that was targeted was near a wooded area, so it allowed Dana to efficiently operate without being noticed as much. Um, there were very few leads. They did have some suspects that they arrested, but they you know they never really went anywhere. They they all ended up being cleared, or the blood type didn't match. So meanwhile, though. Danny would leave Gainesville at this point. He actually got arrested a couple weeks later. I think we're in early September at this point for another robbery of a supermarket. And I don't know how you say the town. Is it Ocala? Or Ocala. Ocala, Florida. Why is he robbing a supermarket? Because he's an idiot. He <laughs> did that, he did that quite thing. often. He, he robbed like two Winn-Dixies. He robbed supermarket. You know, <laughs> they were Winn-Dixies. This yeah. was a Winn-Dixie in Ocala yeah. that he robbed. He Yeah, early September, he was arrested for robbing a Winn-Dixie in Ocala, Florida. Authorities at the time had no idea he was connected. They just arrested him for this robbery, okay? Here's where it gets kind of interesting, though. And I intentionally did not mention this earlier for a nice reveal now. Back in Shreveport... You're revealing yourself to I'm us? Revealing, I'm revealing okay. the truth. <laughs> Boom. I'm that was Trent. That was Trent's Trent. dick just was, hit the table. Like a, it's called a mic drop, but that was a cock. Uh, <laughs> My God. Back in Shreveport in November of 1989, so not quite a full year earlier, there was a triple murder in Shreveport, Louisiana that involved a 55-year-old man named William Gossam his 25 year or 24 year old daughter Julie and then his 8 year old grandson named Sean Aww. they were attacked in their home one evening and killed Julie's body had been mutilated cleaned and then posed posed how i was thinking the same thing i'm assuming in a sexually provocative way no. near the other bodies or <laughs> she gave them the she was the only one posed the only female remember that so one of the main investigators in the Gainesville case learned about 
the Shreveport case and they started making the connections based on the posing, the duct tape residue on the Gossam's bodies. They were cleaned with vinegar and type B blood type found on the scene of the crime. Wait a minute. So Type B blood type, if I remember correctly, you said <laughs> earlier, he said something about type B. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Do my Kermit drink of the tea. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't none of my business. Yeah, none of my business. So it's my business. That's big. Concerned. That's big break number one. But authorities actually caught another big break because a couple months later, in November of that of uh, 1990, yes, Crime Stoppers received a tip call from a Shreveport woman named Cindy Jarosich. 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 Ostrich. Is that pretty close? Just go with it. Yeah. Jarosich. 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 So she had been, I Confident. guess, traveling in Florida and had heard about the Gainesville murders. And it made her think back to these Shreveport murders, because she's from Shreveport. And it made her think of a possible link to Danny Rowling, whom she had known through church. Remember, Danny went to church in Shreveport. <laughs> I'm so she sorry. knew who Danny I'm laughing was. At the irony of this. Like, this was so it fun. the Church of Satan or what? It's a yeah. regular congregation. It was just a, like, in all honesty, like, do you feel like sorry, I don't think Darren is the expert. Do you feel like a lot of... Uh, well, You're the, the expert the, now. Anyway, now. Yeah. Um, I'm the you, expert in this group. He is the teacher. Like, but do you feel like the reason behind that is because like most psychopaths and all this other stuff, do you feel like they uh, they have some sort of religion or religious background at least? I don't see that all the time, but you will see probably cases of it. But mm-hmm. I think more or less you will see cases in serial killers of two things okay. that I've noticed. One is some kind of head trauma, almost right, almost every time. Yeah. Um, and then the second thing would be a very overbearing parent, usually the mother. That's what I see. Now I don't see necessarily all religion, but there is there are some cases where religion kind of takes place. It's Plays very apart. conservative kind of upbringing and almost too stifling. In Ian Wells, you watch a lot of investigative discovery, world's deadliest women, forensic files, shit like that. Um, Darren, I got your opinion. <clears throat> Ian, do you feel like in your investigative discovery that there are common denominators with what Darren said? The mother is usually the issue, right? It's usually mommy issues. A lot of times, yeah. It, are the, there men, ever, the men usually leave, but so it's the not, men are usually out, like drug addicts, alcoholics, right. or abusive are gone. I guess my point to all of this is, A, as as you guys have mentioned, um, Daniel kills a lot of women. I feel like the only reason that... I feel like Manny was like uh, a casualty of war, per se. He was just killed because, because he, he was, was there. He was there when he was, he was going after the woman. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he, yeah. he hadn't been stalking Manny, and he wasn't like, oh, i got to kill this guy. I've been watching him. I've been camping out in the woods. It was just a casualty of war, as I say. And uh, yeah. and I guess what I'm trying to bring full circle is like he's killing a lot of women. Mm-hmm. And I and I'm I'm sorry if I'm like ruining your point here. I don't really but have a point necessarily, but, but 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 I'm saying like your point being like why he's going after women. I think he just we established a little bit early on, you know, yeah. he was a peeping Tom as a young kid or teenager. And I think people just with twisted backgrounds and, and upbringings I don't know. They just like, there's something in them that makes them. It just clicks towards women for let's some reason. Not, so let's not discount the head trauma that is well, in Ed Kemper. That's in 
Ted Bundy. That, I mean, that's in a lot of serial killers' backgrounds. Some kind of dramatic head drama when they were young. Well, let me ask this. And his, his, his mom was abused by his dad, so he grew up around this. And Seeing so he it. probably When it came to was... the women, did he have a type? Actually, yeah. Dead. He did... They were all. <laughs> what you say? Well, hold on. What you say? Dead. Dead. Oh my Actually, God. yes, though, Dead. Ian. They all, or at least all of his victims, all of the four of the five, you know, being women, they all, I think, were brunette and kind of petite. So, see, most likely they were a surrogate for somebody. So, well, his wife probably. Honestly. Similar to his first wife. Yeah. We didn't Maybe discuss her. I don't much. know what his mother looked like. I'm not sure. It could be a little bit of the mother too, but. But yeah, I that's know. a good we're point gonna, you bring we're up. Gonna, we're gonna dragging this out. That's keep my going. I got, I, no, I that's got so fine. Many questions. We uh, so we left off with Cindy Jurisic and the uh, connection with the, uh, the church. They both she knew Danny from church in Shreveport, and she called Crime Stoppers with uh, this tip. Which, by the way, that woman and her husband knew Danny, but they also knew Danny was a weird effing dude. I was just about to kind of elaborate on who, that. Who did? Say it one more time. My bad. You are setting me up. Say it you're, one more time. Trent, I don't even know why you're here. You're alley-hooping <laughs> me all night long perfectly the, for this. <clears throat> so, I thought it was weird. Go ahead. Who did? Cindy. Remember, the woman from Shreve's, Shreve'sport. Shreveport. Shreveport. Okay, Shreveport. Cindy. There could be multiple Shreveport. Shreveport. We're all a little Trent, you want to know the shot? <laughs> We're all feeling pretty good. So so how, how does he know Cindy? Loop me back around to that. I'm going to recap a little bit since all we right. took a huge detour. This is my fault. I did That's that. Right. Sorry. Cindy Jurisic is a Shreveport woman. She had heard about the murders in Gainesville. She had been like driving through Florida. Well, there was national coverage on it anyway, so she probably right. had heard about it anyway. But she had heard about the... Uh, Gainesville murders, and it made her think about the Shreveport murders from the year prior. In the Shreveport murders, there was like a possible link to Danny that that had kind of been in her mind because she knew Danny through their church in Shreveport. So, Means just alluded to it, but apparently Danny would frequently visit Cindy and her husband. He he would just come over a lot and visit and like have dinner with them and stuff. Apparently one night he started saying some really weird things to her husband and her husband would eventually come to Cindy and be like, this guy's got to go. He's not right. He's weird. You know, and, and the things he would say to the husband would be like, he told him, I guess once like, I have a problem. The husband would ask him, well, what kind of problem? I like to stick knives into people. That would be a problem. That's a problem, right? Unless you're a surgeon. Unless you're a surgeon. Big red flag. But I guess he also had said uh, at one point, one day I'm going to leave this town. I'm going to go where the girls are beautiful and I can just lay in the sun and watch beautiful women all day. Was, he singing, was, take me, was he singing Take Me Down to a Paradise City? Where, like, he, was listening to the, uh, he was listening to the Van Halen song, Beautiful Girls, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much anywhere in Florida. Wish they all could be Lay in the sun all day. Yeah. yeah. Florida. Girls. So... At the time, I guess Cindy had just kind of dismissed it. She didn't really want to believe that Danny, you know, could be responsible for something like that. Uh, but I guess it had always kind of like sat with her. And then the Gainesville murders happened and then that really haunted her. And so like that, plus those comments from the past, she just could not rest. So she just picked up the phone one day and called Crime Stoppers and was like, you got to look into this guy, Danny Rowling. Once the Florida investigators received Cindy's tip from Crime Stoppers, they began looking into Danny's history, where they obviously learned about his lengthy 
conviction rec- uh, record of armed robberies and, and all the shenanigans he got into back in the 80s. Now it's because so, where we're Trent can't pronounce the word shenanigans. Shenanigans. <laughs> What's her name? Chris? I'm sleepy and, and a little tipsy, and we haven't even talked about Scream yet. So this has gone way off the rails. So anyway, once they kind of dug into Danny's criminal history, they tracked him down in Mar- in the Marion County Jail, which is where the county where Ocala is. Because he's still in that jail for the robbery he did at the supermarket. So they tracked him down to the uh, to the Marion County Jail. I also didn't mention this earlier, but there was another robbery that occurred in Gainesville the same day that Krista Hoyt's body was found. They connected him to that robbery based on his history of robbery. Most importantly, they were able to match his DNA and determined that Danny Rowling had a type B blood type. Bum, 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 bum. Thank you, yeah. <laughs> they matched his DNA Not to the rarest, crime the scenes. Way. They connected him to both the Gainesville and the Shreveport murders. And then this was enough for them to finally charge him with five first-degree murder charges. So he was caught, but not for the murders. He just yeah. happened to do something stupid, get arrested. Like, once again, it was his bumbling attitude towards other crimes. Exactly. So he basically was sitting in a jail for something else for like a and few he was weeks. So and then careful. You're telling me that he Pouring. got caught for another crime and then got charged for this crime because of his bumbling idiocracy? His, yeah. His, his robbery charge turned into a five first-degree murder charge. Because of Winn-Dixie. <laughs> So, Jesus. Yeah, I just referenced one of the worst movies of all time. Four years later, so we're in 1994 now. Four years later, they finally were about to start the trial. I worked with the courthouse. I can attest things go very slow with the legal system. Four years. Oh, so you're saying you're terrible at your job? I'm just saying. It's just because you work for Jefferson County. Four years it took before his trial finally uh, was about to begin. Right before the trial was about to begin, Danny. Just decided he was going to plead guilty to all the charges. He came clean. He admitted it. What? He admitted guilt to all so of these murders. So you see that you robbed the piggly wiggly. All right, I killed him, okay? I killed him. You caught me. I his did motive? It. His motive? He wanted to become a superstar like Ted Bundy. It's good to have role models, kids. <laughs> Who do you look up to? Ted Bundy. Who do you want to be when you grow up? Dun, dun, he dun. wanted to be like Ted Bundy. So, bites the dust. I mean, you think about it. When was Ted Bundy, roughly? Late 80s? 80s. He killed he in the 70s, but he was he was killed in 89. 80, he okay. was Oh, sorry, he was executed in 89, I think. Yeah, sorry. I mean... That's a role model. It's a role model does, for an effed up child. Now, now yeah. again, and it would explain a lot defense, of his like posing of the you know he wanted the theatrics. He right. wanted to be one, one of the Bundys is my idol too. It was Al for me. <laughs> Al Bundy was <laughs> Perg. He threw four touchdowns in one game, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I, I think he ran for four touchdowns Polk as a fullback. <laughs> so anyway, um, looked up to Ted Bundy explains a lot. You know it's true. Oh, a- gee, pig. <laughs> in April of 94 he was uh, sentenced to the death penalty and he sat on death row death row sat, sat on, on da- death row sat on death row Darth Maul Darth Row. he sat he on was, Darth Maul he was on death row for about 12 years uh, on October 25th of 2006 he was 52 years death old row. at the time dang where's my supplies <laughs> <laughs> he was 52 and then he he was executed by lethal injection uh, in the Florida State Prison. 
Shortly before his execution, he handed a written statement to the Reverend, which admitted his responsibility in the Shreveport murders, triple murder. So right before he was about to die, he confessed to these. <laughs> pretty much. He didn't say anything, but he wrote it down and slid it to his uh, spiritual Daniel, person. The, sh- and it, you it, just con- read that later. <laughs> it confessed to the Shreveport murders. There were 47 total people uh, there to witness his execu- uh, execution, many of which were family members of the victims. That's where my story ends on, I was there too. on the Gainesville Ripper, because then I start going in to scream a little bit. If I left any details out, means feel free to fill in the gaps. Um, well, one thing that is interesting about him, he was <clears throat> a forgotten kind of child. He had a brother. The brother doesn't remember any trauma that happened to him from his dad. More than likely, he probably blocked it out because usually an abuser doesn't just target one child. He targets all children because he's abusing the mom as well. Well, and he didn't want children either. So he's he obviously going to be hateful so towards he probably, all of them. He probably abused the other child, which did not go the route of Danny Rowling. Um, mm-hmm. Danny, once he got there, I think he escalated, I think, from that original peeping Tom when he was young. and got him excited. He started doing it more and more because that's... He even did it multiple times while he was married and had kids mm-hmm. in his early 20s. And then that just escalated. And every time you see serial killers, there's always an escalation. And then they, they ramp up. And then sometimes they go to this frenzy. And that was his frenzy was the uh, University of Florida stuff. But then... Alligator, he, alligator. You oh, my God. <laughs> he got... That's not the first time he's done that tonight. <laughs> So then he uh, he he caught religion again, right? And he also fell in love with this woman. Now he fancied himself a singer at one time. We talked about this off air. Oh God, you didn't hear that when you. He were fancied no, himself a singer. There at were one some time. points in his childhood that I did gloss over, but he did like he learned to play guitar. He would sing and write hymns. Yes. So, yeah, he, so he, he wanted to be a country singer. Yeah. And Wait, he found what? he fell in love with this uh, woman named Sandra London. She was kind of a serial killer chaser groupie she was a groupie and she'd already been after a couple of other serial killers or at least one and then she ended up with this guy and he serenades her at a sentencing so if you want to hear some of that here we go i recall the day i first saw you i reached out to say i love you it was hard to say I couldn't touch you So tell me baby What were my words All my tears run together Down the path you choose To follow Mr. Tell me baby What were my words All my tears I'd just like to point out that the guy was calling him Mr. Rawling no, he wasn't. So, all you guys that... Uh, I think he had an accent. He Mr. Rollins, Rollins. Like Mr. Seth Rollins. Rollins. He's Seth also Rollins. from Gainesville, so Florida. Th- so, a few Mr. things Rollins. about that. Mr. So, Rollins. No, hold on. Mr. Rollins. Mr. Rollins. No, hold on. A few things about that. A, Trent, were you crying a second ago? It was a beautiful song. It was B, a good song. was that the sonographer over there just fucking... <laughs> Bringing it down. Is that what I saw? Oh, was that the sonographer? Well, they had, they had cameras in the... I think it was pictures. No, but they zoomed in on somebody's Oh, fingers. I don't know. Yeah, he might, he might have been. He, might he, have been was, he, was, he, was, he was smoking those keys. <laughs> typing out the uh, the actual song because it was made into a hit. You Tell know? me, baby. Well, speaking of 
speaking of uh, his singing career. Wait, he wrote that? For her. I didn't know if that was George I did. Or... I did gloss over a, a couple of things Unreleased in the story. Song. <laughs> uh, we mentioned the campsite at in the woods in, at Gainesville by the, by the campus. Apparently, um, there was an incident where a cop, I guess, or security or someone, you know, followed him back or saw someone going into the woods and followed him back there. And he was able to escape at this time. I don't know the timeline when this took place, probably at some point between the five murders, but they found the campsite and they found like the screwdriver that he used to break into people's apartments with. And they found, I forget what else, but why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> That's the freaking creepiest look I've ever seen. They found. <laughs> Wait, so you watch Investigation Discovery, huh? But they I found. Mean, there's a joke. <laughs> they found audio tapes, though, too. Yeah. Because he kept, like, cassette tapes of, like, basically an audio diary. I think <laughs> there was some been... there was some singing on there, but singing there also was, like, he and... also was, like, I think, documenting a little bit about what was happening. Yeah. And then he, I think he even mentioned his name at one point. So why this wasn't enough to, to catch him at first? Well, I, I think know, I'm more but, offended about the fact that Trent, you've never wrote me a song like that. But uh, <laughs> so his campsite, they did find it, and they found some stuff there that also ended up connecting him in the end to the to the murders. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a, a plug out to our boys at Necronomapod. Awesome. Yes, they did a two parter of this. Danny Danny Rolling Rolling. Okay, whatever you well, want to say. Well, now we're backpedaling. Now it might be rolling. Well, he said it like it was a three-part name. Like it was like, like, it's <laughs> like it was rolling. a hyphen name, rolling, rolling. <laughs> so they, they, they did a two-parter. If you guys want to hear extreme detail, they go into extreme detail on this. We we kind of hit the main points. I tried to gloss over it so we could get to Scream. I know exactly. that's what you're all so here I've for. Got, but I, I love Necronomapod, but... Come on, they're drinking beer. We're drinking the hard shit over we here. We are. We're drinking way better drinks right now, for sure. So that was the sad and horrific story of the Gainesville Ripper, Danny Rowling. Now we're going to try and uh, switch this over to Scream a little bit, which is kind of like, obviously, the, the true story was really dark and heavy. Scream was a little bit lighter. Was it? Well, it's it's kind of a <laughs> compared sure? to the well compared to the uh, I mean well, compared to the real story. Murders, yeah. Yeah. yeah, there was no raping. Or... So how does how does the Gainesville ripper ripper? How does the Gainesville ripper ripping Gainesville? Gainesville <laughs> how does it how does it connect to Scream? You may ask. Well, I'm gonna answer you. Oh, well, yeah, we asked. Ask sure. <laughs> the audience was asking. So earlier I used the phrase inspired by because. Obviously, this is not based on a true story. The events of the Gainesville murders, very different from what actually happens in Scream. Scream is purely fictional. The immediate similarities, though, obviously there's a serial killer with a knife stabbing people. He targets students. College, you know, in the real story, obviously they're in high school in Scream. Um, So those are the two big similarities right there. He likes to stab people from behind. It's true, yeah. He does sneak up behind them. Breaks into their homes. Oh, and also, I think the national media coverage was kind of a big <coughs> influence because I think that's where you get the Gale Weathers character from the Scream movies because when the murders start happening in the movie, there's like this flood of like, you know, news people. So, speaking of national media, though, uh, it was in 1994 while watching a, a news special on the Gainesville killings where screenwriter Kevin Williamson, he first came up with the idea. 
At the time, he was a struggling actor, screenwriter, and he was actually house-sitting for a friend. He had been watching uh, the documentary about the Gainesville Ripper, which properly spooked him. Here are some actual comments from Williamson that uh, during an interview he gave. I was being scared out of my mind. During the commercial break, I heard a noise, and I had to go search the house. And I went into the living room, and a window was open. I'd been staying in this house for two days. I had never noticed this window open before, so I got really scared. I went to the kitchen, got a butcher knife, got a mobile phone, and I called up a buddy of mine and said, I think someone's in the house. So his buddy, I guess, began to mock him and started saying things like, well, don't go outside. If you go outside, the killer is going to sneak in uh, the door while you're outside. And it was, I guess, this uh, conversation with his buddy that actually inspired the famous opening scene of the original Scream because during this phone call, they apparently got into a, d a debate about serial killers and they started getting into the subject of like famous horror characters like Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers joking that they might have been in the house. Uh, Williamson continued by saying, I went to bed that night so spooked I was having nightmares. I woke up at like 3 or 4 in the morning and I started writing the opening scene to Scream. So, there you have it. So... May I? Go for it, man. So, you guys probably know Drew Barrymore, opening scene. Yeah, as you famous, spoke. iconic. So, did you know that there was a huge uproar about her death in the movie? Because, because she was the most famous one? Not only that, but all the marketing was centered around her. She was Her face was on the poster. Like, the main poster was... the, the Even the... Even the uh, the DVD. I she's, had it. Well, you I do down, down there somewhere. Yeah, she's on so, the DVD. Uh, so on the DVD cover, it's her. It's her face on the DVD cover. It's her face on the poster. Same same cover. Um, some of the some of the uh, the marketing and everything was like the cast, and down there was Drew Barrymore, mm -hmm. and she was on the marquee. She was on she was on the main uh, list of of names, and she doesn't make it out of the first. She doesn't make it out of the first five minutes of the movie, and apparently, like there was, there was a, there was a huge issue about that back then. Well, also, Wells. fun fact, aside to that, apparently she was supposed to be Sidney <coughs> Prescott in the movie. There was talks to was get she her to start. I know she auditioned, but like they wanted her to be. I think there was some scheduling conflicts or something that prevented her from committing to do the whole movie, but she was still able to do this first scene, and I think she was a big reason why Wes Craven got involved too, wasn't it? Again, I don't know what all's true on the internet, but there was a story that I read that he Nothing he originally true. wasn't gonna like do this movie, but I guess some he he got stopped by some kid on the street one day, basically calling him out for saying he'd gone soft and he wasn't. <laughs> so like oh, so he yeah. wanted to get back into horror to kind soft of soft old man. To I kind got of prove himself soft a little right bit. Here. Yeah, I don't know if that's true. We said earlier he just had done New Nightmare two years before. I don't know, but. And I think Drew Barrymore was a big part of him getting involved too. But yeah, I, I she was the biggest actress in the she movie. was the most famous. Uh, but I like that Courtney because, Cox maybe, but I mean she had more cred. But not than known Courtney for Cox. she was on Friends. Yeah. Friends was popular yeah. at the time, but but no, I like that they that they subverted what you were expecting because they did take the most famous person and she was dead in the first scene. This is nobody definitely a Hitchcock throwback though. Yeah, I mean, and when Courtney Cox signed up for the movie, nobody told her that life was going to be this way. <laughs> Sure. 
<laughs> Thank you. Another fun fact. She apparently had to beg for that role she wanted it so bad because I guess she wanted to show people that she could play a bitchy type character, which was kind of opposite of what really? her friend's character was. Really? Because she was kind of bitchy in Friends. Well, no, she wasn't. But yeah, I mean, I could see where this character would be a definite departure from Monica, though, because Gail Weathers was kind of just a... In the first film, yeah. Cutthroat. And then the, the next two, out she, to, out she to, leveled out. Out for herself to pursue, yeah. you know. It took her a while. I mean, do Dewey even like hated her in parts of each movie, yeah. and then he kind of warmed up to her. In each I mean, movie. freaking Sydney punched her in the first movie because yeah. she wrote that book about her mom and basically she got punched like, a few times in the series. <laughs> so they never um, friends. But let's get into. I guess I kind of alluded to it before we got into the true story, but we we call uh, Scream a meta slasher. Means go into what a meta slasher means. Meta horror. We all meta know. is kind of a self-referential, knowing what it is kind of movie, and it and it it's. I wouldn't say it's a film within a film because it's not necessarily. But it becomes but that. I'm sorry. Sorry. It comes I, thought, I thought meta was what uh, Facebook was now sponsored by. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> meta sponsor this podcast, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> anyway, Please. Darren, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Meta is what now. Yeah, it's 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 just uh, instead of instead of just being a straight up movie, it's a movie that's it knows it, it's a movie. It, it knows it's a movie. It, it, it like references itself. It, it's self aware that its its existence is because of an audience. Yeah. For example, and, in the first movie, like where uh, well, they had tons of like uh, moments like that. Jamie Kennedy was he was the main yeah where he was just like oh no. Like when he tells Matthew Little, he's like explaining the rules. Well, well there's the rules, and you yeah. don't ever say like one of the one things you don't say is I'll be back because you never come back. And that's why he's the best character in the series at the beginning because yeah. every horror fan identifies with that character. Yeah, and, and so that's why everybody loved him. You know, in in he was like the you know, audience the fan surrogate. Kind he of. was literally the audience surrogate, and people saw that in that, and that's why I said a while ago. You know, when we we're done the little reviews that we'll get to later it's like you know each one of these movies in this series references things that they know that horror fans will like and i thought as the series gets on you know moves on especially in five they actually like go into deeper dives than basic you know michael myers or jason Voorhees. they actually start diving a little deeper in into the canon so it's kind of cool yeah, there was quite a few moments in five where like the characters actually said things that I was that I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. Even with the first one though, getting into how meta and self-aware it was, I mean, a big influence was obviously Halloween. They referenced that a lot in that movie. Mm-hmm. They are watching Halloween at the end, and Ghostface is basically like their version of Michael Myers, kind of. They take a few shots at Wes Craven too. They take some shots at Wes Craven. There was the, uh, you know, the Freddy Krueger cameo kind of that was there. Yeah, but that, they also, and then there's one point where she's talking about the Nightmare on Elm Street. How the sequels all like, sucked. Yeah, like the first one was good, but well, the rest of them were all pretty crappy. The whole movie was just an homage to like old horror because like you have the Billy Loomis character. His name is Loomis. Doctor Loomis. And he's basically the Johnny Depp character from right. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, he they that's why they cast um, Skeet. Is it Ulrich? Is that Ulrich. His name? Ulrich. Because he looked like Johnny Depp and they wanted him to kind of look like that boyfriend character. And I think, wasn't there psycho references in the first one too, I think? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember. It was a week ago that I rewatched it. But um, 
So, I mean, this whole thing knows what it is. It, it knows it's a horror movie that's like only exists because of other horror movies before mm. it. And talk about the shower scene <coughs> in Psycho. Yeah. 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 Talking about Scream and how, how it was influential. Let's just go into that. Like, horror wasn't dead, but it was on its last gasps in the early 90s. Well, you had that strong wave of 80s horror. Strong wave. And then by the late 80s, everything was just done to death. And they even reference it in Scream 1. So it's like it was on its last gasp. And what's cool about it, and even though Wes Craven didn't write this film, he was influential in the 70s with the movies that we talked about earlier, which was Last House on the Left. Last House on the Left and... What's the one? Hills Have Eyes. Right? Does that, yeah. You guys know those two. Yeah. So he was very influential with those two movies. Fast forward to the 80s, he was very influential with the entire Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, which blew people away because it was dream logic, mm-hmm. you know, things that you couldn't kill because it's in your, how do you kill something in your dreams? Which we'll probably talk about later on a pod. I was going to say a future tease, yeah. For future, a future tease episode. there, and then you go all the way to the '90s, and he restructures the way films are yet again. Yeah. So he is very influential in three separate decades for film, right? For horror um, film specifically. I, uh, so in 1996, when this movie came out, I was 11. We had. Movie monsters like Jason, Freddy, Candyman. I knew all of them were fake. The thing that got me about Scream, even as an 11-year-old kid, was the fact that it could be anybody. In a Halloween costume at a party that just starts Why would you be scared? You're a serial killer. Don't you guys look out for each other? (laughs) At that age, I didn't know it yet. (laughs) He wasn't the serial killer that he is today. (laughs) He was just killing morning cereal. But that is what always stood out to me most about. I agree with that a little bit as also a younger person in the 90s because I remember thinking they were pretty creepy for that same reason. And then later on, I would grow up and realize that, oh, these are actually kind of funny movies when you really break it down in a way. Yeah, I mean, that's funny. I have a totally different perspective because I was in college when these came out. Yeah. And the whole thing was it was self-referential, but it was also a throwback to those movies you just referenced which made it funny to me because it wasn't scary. Like, I don't were, think any of the screams were that scary. They're not now, no. And definitely. when I watched them, even the first time when I watched Scream for the first time, I wasn't like, I mean, there were jump but scares, again, but I didn't. We were like 10. You so. guys were different age, so it, it was, it, that's what's cool about it. It's a different experience for what age you are and what you've been exposed to up to that time when you first watched it. Now that you guys have been exposed to it and you watch Scream 5 coming out, you no, will honestly. you will totally like feel different than when you watch Scream One. Well, and when you break it down too, like each decade almost kind of had that iconic franchise for that group that yeah. was growing up during that time. Like seventies introduced Halloween, eighties was definitely Jason or Freddy, and Halloween too, of course. But like, and then nineties yeah. was Scream. Like those are yeah. kind of the th- the big ones of the each decade, really. Yeah. So I watched Scream. I think once when it first came out back then. And then I obviously watched it again today before we went and saw the new one. But it was crazy to me, like, things that I noticed now that I didn't notice back then. Like, yeah, I don't even remember, like, um, when Drew Barrymore's character got killed, I don't remember her being gutted or hung from a tree. I just remember her being stabbed, like, in the chest. 
until I watched it today. So I was kind of shocked by that. And when she was hung, it's like her parents found her. Yeah, it was graphic, man. So that was, uh, I mean, it was pretty cool. Well, and then when she gets the initial phone call and she's not taking it serious and then the light kicks on in the backyard and then her boyfriend, boyfriend is sitting in like Letterman jacket like in the chair and he's been mutilated. Mm-hmm. Which again, for those of you in this room especially that haven't watched the show, this show, as I mentioned before, being on MTV is very graphic. It's very bloody. Well, wait till it's you watch almost, part five. <laughs> it's almost as bloody as a uh, as as the actual movies. I'll be honest with you though. Going going to the actual plot of the movies. Let's just talk about the plot. Scream one and two had really good plots, and they tied in well together. I didn't know how Scream two was going to tie into the first one, but it tied in well to it. And we'll talk about. Scream 5 and its tie-ins later on, but I felt like Scream 3 did not tie in as well at all. Yeah. Scream 4. Scream 3 was weird. Scream 4 had a... Scream 3 had like this cartoonish kind of feel to the whole movie. Well, let's go back it, it to the It was more meta- like slapstick, I yeah, thought, compared it was to the not, other ones. It was not because like they, frightening. You guys watched 3, right? YouTube. I don't remember much about 3 or if I've remember. even seen it, they but focus, I know it's about... They like, focus so much on the stab movies... Well, I was just about to say the meta side of things. It really starts to go headfirst into it because the movie within a movie. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't hate three. It's just very weak in my opinion. Like I was like, yeah, it's all right. But at the same time, like when you compare it to the first two, it's nowhere near in line. So it's just, it's too campy. And the problem is the first two had a certain tone to it, right? You agree with that. And then the third one goes way left field. And it's too yeah, and and it goes back to like my conjuring argument. Had Scream Three may have been a separate movie or been the first movie, it may not have been as bad. May not have been as bad, but it's just it's too far out there and it's too silly. Yeah, and then when the big reveal comes and you find out who the killer and then he gives his backstory, it's borderline fucking ridiculous yeah it's like and, okay and we would have noticed some of that stuff three had some two. really good actors in it like yeah. uh parker posey she's a great yeah. actress you know and it, but it just like like i said Leap like you Shriver. said it just didn't yeah it didn't go anywhere to me like especially at the end the reveal wasn't as good it didn't have as good of an opening scene one had the great opening scene we just talked about two had an, an equally great genius idea where they were showing the movie for the first time and somebody kills somebody in front of an, an audience watching the opening. And then and they then don't look, realize they don't that realize it's, it's not fake. It's not a part of the and show. And that throws yeah. back to like William Castle days of the nineteen fifties where they did gimmicks of stuff flying around the, the cinema right. to get people in to watch the movie. So they're actually referencing fifties movies in that opening scene of part two, which was awesome. And then she you know like uh, Will Smith's wife, what's her name? Jada Pinkett Jada Smith. Pinkett she dies on, in that graphic way, you know, and she doesn't want to go there. And she does that typical what you'd say, you know, when when somebody's in a theater and they start screaming at the at the screen, and all of a sudden he comes back and stabs her and everything. I mean, that's a cool scene. I love that opening scene of part two. Something. I was gonna go back to part one for a second. Her and Omar Epps, and he's in the bathroom, and he's listening, and then he gets to the stall. Oh, he gets stabbed in the ear, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. That, that whole opening scene's great. 
Go ahead. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, I was just going to go back to part one for a second. And, you know, obviously I'm not a horror historian, so I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I feel like one of the things that is iconic about that movie and the franchise in general is the fact that it wasn't just one killer. It was two killers. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that wasn't done before, because I'm sure it probably was at some point. But, like, I think that's what helped set it apart, too, is the fact that, you know, you you associate the Ghostface killer with this franchise and being the killer. But then it's just like they did something really cool with that first movie and keeping you on your toes and and making you guess who it is by making it two different people, which confused the heck out of people. And then, you know, the the mystery aspect of it all, because it's like a whodunit. And they really... They really, it was two people in part two and two okay. people in part four. I kind of yes. was thinking that, but I one wasn't person for sure. In part three. One person in part I three. I only rewatched. Was it two people in part two? Yes, it was. The we could say man, it. It, was, it was the man. Which uh, man? Uh, that she found on the internet. And it was the mom. It was the mom. So it was the man and the mom. And the mom killed the man and said she shot him, remember? Yeah, he, he was I'm trying, trying to remember who the fucking man was. Yeah, I, I only rewatched the first me. one, so I don't remember about the others. But I mean, I yeah, just... it was two. Part part four was two. Part three was one. Probably should have been two because the one was ridiculous. But part... I think that's what's fun about these movies is yeah. that it's always someone different. It's got you guessing. It's always someone you know, as they always. That's one of the <laughs> oh, rules of the wait, movies. I don't even it's... look. I know who was in part two. Sorry to interrupt you. It was a. Tim, it was Timothy Oliphant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because she thought it was her boyfriend yep. who was hung up on the cross. It was Jerry O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell, and she ended up, or he ended yes. up killing him right in front of her and said, "You should yeah. listen." And they were then they were supposed to be friends. Yep. Timothy Oliphant of, you know who I'm talking about? Okay, Stand by yes. Me and Piranha. Well, that was Jerry O'Connell. Jerry, Tim, Jerry Timothy Oliphant was in uh, Jerry O'Connell. was uh, uh, the Crazies. He He's was in a lot of Dreamcatcher. Yeah. He was. Uh, uh, Justified. That was a really good series. He's in a lot of things, and those anyway, are all believable uh, because they had people that a could do those killings. Yeah. They were physical enough, and b they could do all the different things around to fool you into thinking there was one killer, which was really cool the way they planned it out. I didn't like four. I liked four until I found out who were the killers in four. One was oh yeah, they haven't four. seen it. You yeah. haven't seen it. Are you serious? You I can't just told us to watch four? it at the beginning. You just Damn, told us that to was watch it. In 11. his defense, I said we were only talking about the original. And so, that I mean, was 11 years ago that came out. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, okay, no. To, to, you, but it, it doesn't seem like it, it's as believable. To, yeah, but just it's a to, cool movie. To summarize, the point one I was I trying to make was blatantly was, obvious Yeah, the whole time. And the other one in four. And the other one, it wasn't obvious. It was a huge shock to me, but I thought... How how could that happen? Yeah, kind of the silly. way it happened. Yeah. yeah. The point I was trying to make was another fun thing about these movies is how the <laughs> guessing game think. because it's always someone different. It's always like you're trying to connect the dots to figure out who it could be. And even with this new movie, I'm not going to get super into it. But like I was kind of almost up until the end trying to figure out like okay, like who could it be now? So so let me ask you this: You guys have all at least watched the first one. Yeah. Was anybody in this room, the three of us were younger, Darren was a dinosaur, obviously. Um, was any was anybody able to figure out, at least midway through, who the killer was? I don't think I was trying to figure it out. I'm the first one? Watching the first movie. One. 
I think, me personally, they obviously really want you to think it's the boyfriend. But for that Which reason, true. it makes you want to think it's not the boyfriend because I they want you Matthew to. Th- Lillard and the here's whole time. the thing. Here's the thing. I thought they pointed so much to it being um, uh, J.P. Jones, F.P. Jones. Well, that's the genius I think, of it. No, it. Here's the thing. I think they pointed so much to it being him that you never, ever, at our age, maybe not yours, not to speak for you. Um, you old ass. No, I'm just saying we're we're like ten. If we're 10, you're probably... I was like 6 or 7. Okay. So our brains are I didn't watch it when I was 6 or 7. It was Uh, later. You didn't? I watched it when it first came out when I was like 10. Yeah, but I wasn't really thinking about it like that. I was just enjoying the movie. My sister was in I'm making fun of you. Maybe I'm the serial killer because I watched movies like that when I was younger, when I was like 10... Even younger than that. And I was trying to figure Explains out the whodunits. And, Explains um, a lot. I'm sure it does. So back to my original question, Darren, um, were you able to kind of figure it out? Because I was thinking the whole time. I think they set up the boyfriend figure, so much. I didn't figure it out. It was too. That you don't really. I, like, I feel like they were. Lillard. Yeah, I think they were diverting you from the fact that it could be two people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was very convenient that, that he would be in the front door and then he would be in the back door. You know, like he would just pop up. Yeah. But I kept on thinking, you know, that's just a trope of horror movies. They yeah. just pop up out of nowhere. It's almost like the what was Friday the 13th game where he just mi- mysteriously yeah. pops up in another part so of the camp. So what, what led you to Matthew Lillard? Matthew Lillard, kind of the way he was acting when Randy was telling the story when they were all around each other, mm-hmm. he just kept on acting like it was exciting him. So in my mind, I was thinking he's the killer because he gets excited every time they talk well, about that, him. He's, the, he's so like nonchalant about things. Like yeah. He really doesn't give a shit. It's like, it, yeah, well, of course he doesn't. He, well, he has plus, no empathy for anybody, really. Didn't, um, didn't they drop the, the seeds there at the beginning where it wasn't Drew Barrymore's character? Didn't they date and she dumped yeah. him? Yeah. So that immediately makes you think, well, well he killed her because she dumped him. I Dude. immediately, because I look for clues that are not what they say or do. I look for clues on what the director does. Yeah. And I was obviously older when I watched this. Yeah. My first thing was they played Don't Fear the Reaper as soon as he comes on screen. <laughs> and that was the very first thing they play. And I'm like, oh, he's the fucking killer. They just played Don't Fear the Reaper when the killer comes on screen. That's meta right there. And but, they were talking about meta, but this whole but, franchise, and not just this movie, but all of them, they get so like tipsy turvy that it's just like they want you to think it's everyone at a certain point to the point where they have red herrings, but they leave yeah. breadcrumbs where you don't think they're going to be, and that's and I already knew that films did that. That's why as soon as they played "Don't Fear the Reaper," I was like, "He's a killer." Well, it's but like, I didn't guess two killers. Well, and like in so. This new movie, this isn't a spoiler because it's literally the tagline on the poster. It has like everyone, like the floating heads, the posters that you hate. Mm-hmm. And then the tagline is, the killer is on this poster. So it's like, it's they're basically showing you who it is. It's one of these yeah. five or six people. And I they drop the bread. that crumbs. was a fake out because I'm like, but Ghost Face is on the poster too. Yeah. The poster, <laughs> and so, but I'm thinking, the point I'm trying to make is, is like you run through the scenarios in your head for each character as you're watching the movie, or at least I do, to the point where it's going to be someone, obviously, that you... So you're going to be right at some mm-hmm. point. But yeah, and it, and sometimes it comes back to your initial gut thought. Sometimes it ends up surprising you, but it's always going to be... It's not going to be a huge like left-field surprise because it's going to be one of these people that well, you... Well, I said the boyfriend's <laughs> name in the first movie. 
Billy Loomis. Yeah, Loomis. Keep up, Ian. So <laughs> we just did a whole episode. <laughs> what, shut up, Doctor Loomis. Remember? <laughs> I went back and watched the first one today. I thought it was funny that like uh, he dropped that cell phone when he first climbs into a room. And the sheriff's point of interrogation was, oh, well, why'd you have that cell phone? I just thought that was funny because, like, everybody has cell phones these days, so. Yeah, but he happened to have that cell phone coming through the window as he was already a suspect. Yeah. I really really liked it, though. Like, the scene. I I watched all five of them within the last three days now. I literally watched all five of them in three days. And seeing the the original self, it it was original crappy Nokia cell phone, yeah. really bad. Yeah. Probably the had three hundred fifty six meg. No wonder why it. that thing fell out of his pocket. And <laughs> then they they had corded phones mm-hmm. back then, and and that kind of referenced no with that caller phone ID. Call, that phone call referenced you know when a stranger calls or or the babysitter killer legend. Black Christmas. Right? We talked about that. When a babysitter calls, have you ever seen that? Either of them, even the remake. It's when a stranger very, calls, a babysitter when a stranger calls. Well, when a babysitter <laughs> calls. Hey, a babysitter. I didn't mean to call a stranger. Sorry. So when a babysitter calls a stranger. So those movies, to me, um, are kind of in par with Black Christmas. Yeah, for sure. And and but like in the first one, I can't remember what other technology I saw, but it was pretty funny. But then the second one, they had There's those beepers too, wasn't there? They had the beepers. They had the old bubble IMAX that were all colorful, <laughs> like blueberry and stuff. I remember those. And then by four, they had the uh, silver IMAX. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, it was weird watching the technology, the watching capsule. her hair change, their the musical choices that was. Well, Craven that even in do. the fourth one, she's like putting up wireless cameras and stuff yeah. all over the place. And I wish Ghostface would have called somebody in one of those movies, and then they would have been like, "Hey, can you call me back after nine o'clock when it's free?" <laughs> I got a question though. Out of all the killers that are different in every one, and they just know about these movies through either the book that Gail Weathers writes or through the movie Stab. How they always get that voice box the exact same? Is there like an Acme company that sells this there one voice be. box that makes the same guy's well, voice? Well, remember they tried to explain it in the fourth. They were like, oh, it's an app. Yeah. It's like you can use the app. Well, but they well, always had no, this little silver voice box. They always bring it out. And there were no show. apps in the 90s, though. So, yeah, it was definitely just a... This is weird. Well, in the first like in the first feud, they were actually using the box like and little, putting it over the phone as talk but you, you would think they would have to put that on speakerphone. Yeah, but use, in the but in the fourth one kind of use it in the yeah. fifth one here do they <laughs> he he the me. I it's the same he pull, well i mean he pulls it out it's the they same guy out. too i think the same voice it sounded like it anyway it is, it is the same guy throughout the series and i like what? i like the difference in in a filmmaking lighting and everything between the five of them because the first one was real bright and sunny it's like which they kind of reference in the colors yeah they talk about the hairdos and everything and then like by four four is like definitely like that the 2011 thing to where it's like you know like kind of dirtier colors and like weird lighting off in the background foreground's kind of lit so they're creating deep space and like it's just different, and then like five is totally different than 2011. Uh, yeah, each each like decade definitely like is a product of its time. You can tell as soon as you're watching it, like yeah. this is a 90s movie. And I like same that. way you could tell when you're watching an 80s horror movie. Like they have their yeah. styles with their lighting and, and camera. And that's work probably and music. why, like me being older, when I watched the first one, it was more 
a throwback coolness to it than when you guys were watching it. Obviously, Ian Wells was thinking it was well, like a real. I mean, and also, killer, the, you know, I just I thought it was fun. You thought it was like, oh my gosh. Well, also, at the time, I don't want to speak for Ian, but definitely for me, like we weren't well versed in like Halloween and all yeah. these movies they're referencing. So we're just looking at it as like a serial killer with a knife sneaking yeah. up on kids, kill them, which is kind of freaky. But yeah. then when you do get more versed in horror, which this is just a big love letter to old horror films, then it does start to make more sense of what yeah. this movie's trying to do. Yeah, I used no. to watch the Friday the 13th marathons all the time as a kid, and they never bothered me in that way like I thought about Scream. AMC. Yeah. One thing I do have to yes. gripe about in part four, when I was watching that yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, Hayden Penitary. She's yes. hot. Season four? She's pretty hot. She is. Nice. She got short hair in that one, too. But she... Uh, she, they always have that one or two characters, you know, like the Randy character that knows a lot about horror, and they they start referencing the rules, and they start talking about old horror movies, and you know, the phone call comes in, they have to like prove themselves, and I kind of had problems with now, remember, the first few. They haven't seen it. I'm not going. to... Okay, sorry. Four. Yeah, yeah. I think I've seen it, but I don't remember. I'm, I'm just saying there's this one part where she starts referencing she's that person and she connects with another person about that. Mm-hmm. But her DVD collection looks like it's about 15 DVDs on a little bitty shelf, like the top <laughs> shelf there. And she's talking about all these deep cut horror movies and stuff, which are not deep cut at all. They're basic. Everybody that is into horror should know Dario Argento Suspiria. She mentions that like it's a deep cut, you know, and I'm like, bitch, are you kidding me? Everybody knows that. Now, wait a minute. I feel like for her age group, that would be a deep cut. Maybe. The original, well, because also remember, the, the remake wasn't out at the time they made that movie, so I think for her age group, that would be considered but a deep But you're not going to have a collection also, of 20 DVDs and call that a deep cut deep and cut. act like you know all that shit but about it. But also the general I mean, audience, had, too. You know, you got to yeah, dumb it down a it little bit. It is a general audience, but like to the horror fan that watches so, that, they're like, right, whatever. Casual moviegoers, though, that probably is going to be like a deep cut, you know? Yeah, and that's what I'm saying for her age group too, because she's supposed to be in in uh, 2011. She's supposed to be a high schooler. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying to her. It would be a deep cut, but to us, even if you haven't seen it, you've at least heard of it. <laughs> at least, right? You've heard of that movie, Suspiria. Nope. The look on his face says it all. All right. Well, he's very suspicious. We need, we need to us. bring back our movie nights. At- Trends in my house. I'm gonna get a projector. Soon. You got the. I was gonna say you got the projector in the basement, man. We uh-huh. got a, you got a whole theater in the. Basement. Do you got both of them? Do you got the original and the yeah. remake? Yeah. Okay. I haven't seen them. I know a lot the, about I've them. I've got the whole uh, uh, the whole witch trilogy. There's a witch trilogy that Argento did. Blair Witch. And they all tie in together thematically. I don't know. I'll explain it later. It that matter. was what seventies. Late 70s, early 80s? Yeah, 77. Okay, 77. And then the remake just came out a few years ago, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so it's, it's fairly new. Gotcha. And it was good, too. It just, it, it was different. Gotcha. Sorry, back to your original point. <laughs> no, I, I was going to kind of bring this all back around. Does anyone have any else? anything else to add about the original Scream? Um, I, I thought... Now, again, this is coming from a 10-year-old boy. Um, it kept me guessing. The story was great. The meta was cool. Even even to this day, I can go back and watch the first Scream 
and thoroughly enjoy it. Even though I know everything that's going to happen, I can thoroughly enjoy it for what it is. And even though I know who the killers are and what's going to happen and everything, there is still at times like I kind of watch it like, like a few years apart. So even though I know the gist of who does what to who, I'm still like kind of fuzzy on some of the details where I'm like, fuck, I can't really remember what happened. What happened to this? Oh yeah, that's right. So I, I really liked the first one because like I said, it kept you, well, I'm not saying they don't all keep you guessing, well, it's fun to go but back and watch like, it, too. It's like Darren said. They give you so many breadcrumbs from the yeah. first one, but you don't pick up on it at the time. And then when you watch it, you're like, oh, well, that all makes sense. Well, I was going to say, the Reaper. even when you know, when like on a rewatch, even though you know what happens, it's fun to go back and make it all make sense. Right. Knowing what happens now and but be then like, like, well, who's this killer versus who's, you know what I mean? Like trying to figure out yeah. who's who and, and then, where. And then you try to analyze that person from beginning to end of movie, like, yeah. Like individually, like Billy Loomis, for example, you're just like, okay, so we know he's the killer. We know his explanation as to why. Let me watch this again from beginning to end and dissect. Get it does. No, anyway. Uh, dissect, like, why he did what he did, even though he's explained it. But you can watch, like, a character development going on at this point. Mm-hmm. How he goes from one character and kind of slowly switches. And then even at the uh, at the end of the movie when he's just like, oh, it's, what is it, um, syrup. Or, yeah. Yeah. Which, by corn the way. Syrup, corn syrup. And then he, he makes the comment. And then just, I thought it was good acting, personally. I feel like he went from one character to another. He just, it was like a switch he flipped. And then just, like, the look he gave her. Yeah. Was two completely different people. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, his kill scene, you know, I, I appreciate the red herring, but eagle-eyed viewers could clearly tell there were no rips in his shirt where a knife would have actually stabbed him, which right. I'm sure was intentional. Yeah. So that's why I say part of the fun is going back and watching it, because when I rewatched it again the other day, obviously I knew that he was going to end up being the killer, but watching his death scene, I was like, there's no way he was actually stabbed. But here's the thing. You know that now, but did you catch it the first well, time? Well, no, you're not thinking about it the first exactly. time. You're thinking you're thinking it's him the whole time, and then he dies, and it's like, oh, shit, maybe it's not him. And that's where the whole, like, two killers and... My favorite that. part of that whole ending is the very end where they have to stab each other, because that's something that <laughs> yeah. is awesome that you would add into it. Like, how do you pin this on her? Well, let's stab each other. Yeah. We'll be survivors. We'll kill her. We'll make her the killer type thing. And when he accidentally stabs Matthew Lillard, the more blood loss he gets. He I gets, love his acting. I love his acting anyway. And that, that's, that's a great scene. Yeah. Trying to make the phone Do call. Do you wish and, at that point when he was in, he would have put his hands on his hips and said, are you challenging me? Nope. <laughs> Classic movie. Thanks, <laughs> nope. Iconic franchise. The first thing he said in 15 minutes. That, I mean, sorry, Scream, I Scream changed the game again, and Reinv- it brought horror movies what? back. Reinvigorated horror and slasher specifically, probably, by taking what we already know and love and basically shining more light on it, bringing more attention to why people like it, and agree. then making that into a movie itself. Like top, to it? a, a top 25 horror film. So. Of all time. And, it, you know, for kids your age, every time one of them comes out, it gives you more references of what to look for in past horror. Past horror, but also past screams that came yeah. before it. It, it yep. does a good job of paying tribute not only to horror, but to its own franchise. 
All right, guys. So I think that does it. That's our discussion on both the new Scream and the uh, the old Screams. And hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Hopefully you learned a little something. I'm going to throw it over to Means now. He's going to plug a couple things for us. Yeah, definitely uh, follow us on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. What else we got? TikTok. You we do have, have a TikTok. We haven't we haven't really used po- it in a while. We're going we're gonna to start posting. Uh, definitely, we might have a YouTube page at one point in time. We don't yet, but we it's will. Uh, but our big news, once again, is the merch store. So if you haven't checked out our merch store, we have... A uh, couple of designs, the original logo, which is the stretch logo with the star, harking back to the horror you know, or the more you know for the horror you know. And we also have a circular design with the pentagram. They're both really cool. They have a lot of different t-shirts and sweatshirts and hoodies. And uh, I don't know. We have, what, what, what did you want over there, Ian Wells? You're going to order what? Oh, I think I got a zip-up hoodie and a uh, tumbler cup. Those yes. are really nice the for crop top. Oh, yeah. Crop top. They have those. <laughs> yeah. So we have a, a lot Long of different choices. Uh, I had a student, shout out to Brandon Smith. He just bought our first product ever. Okay. And it Brandon was... Smith. You could have thought of a better fake student than Brandon. That's <laughs> <laughs> his real name. And he bought a uh, mint green iPhone tough case. And it, it came in the mail. And it's freaking awesome. With, was he friends with Mike Table? <laughs> <laughs> Best friends with them. okay, no, I'm <laughs> yeah. Where's thanks, the... thanks for everybody supporting us. Uh, we will have that merch store on all of our socials at the bottom from now on, and on our Facebook page. So that's all I got. So I guess we're at the end of the episode. Yeah, thanks for listening. I have been Trent. I'm Darren. I'm Ian. And I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, man. <laughs> <laughs> nope, not Jesus. This is Ian. <laughs> Good scream. Good scream, buddy. All right. I had to really grip my balls on that one. <laughs> Shadows dance. Sure they didn't. His, balls, up his balls sucked up. <laughs> <laughs> the world between the living and the dead is thin. So now.